Welcome, Restored Gospel Podcast is happy to present episode seven of Stories of the Saints. Our guest this morning, I am very excited to talk with, um, not only because she's from my great state of Ohio, but uh, she is from and was born in the Amish community in Ohio, and her story and her family's story is going to be very uh, fun to hear and discuss and how her and her family came to know the uh, fullness of the gospel. Um, Our guest this morning is Mary Sue Kennan. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. She is just a pleasure to know. I go to church with her, and actually her granddaughter, Andrea, and her husband, Joseph, were here on our last episode of Stories of the Saints. I've been thinking about having you on for a while, Mary, and uh, I'm glad that finally came to that point and just asked you and you were willing to come on here and share your testimony of Jesus. I'm happy to do that. (laughs) So right now you're currently living in Blue Springs, Missouri, but you you weren't born in Missouri. You were born in Ohio, correct? I was born in Pennsylvania and then we moved to Ohio after a couple of years. Okay. Now I'm just going to come right off and ask you, um, you were born in the Amish community, correct? Yes. Okay. And um, just tell me about the Amish, your perspective on the Amish. Any, <laughs> anything you want to tell me? <laughs> well, um, there are wonderful people, and they, they kind of have the, uh, the idea of what, what we're supposed to be like and how we're supposed to live together and for each other. They just don't have the... the um, spiritual aspect of that so they don't have insurance um they the church pays for bills if the family can't take care of it and uh, they just they're just a caring people they care for each other now on the way over here this morning i asked you how old you were do you care to share that with us (laughs) i'm 85 you're 85 and i wouldn't put you a day over 70 you just look so young and if you'll let me we'll take a picture this morning so we can share with our listeners but um how much memory do you have of being in the amish community when you were young because you were there till how old i was 13 when we left and so and i we have uh, met with the Amish, my Amish family, com- over the years all the time, and I still have Amish relatives, and okay. we're allowed to visit back and forth. Uh, they they shun you if you've been baptized, and uh, we left the Amish church when I was thirteen, so I was never baptized, and so I didn't have the shunning, but my parents did. Okay. So you've been back to that community and visited family and relatives all the time. You yes. go back how you go back every year or how often? Well, we used to go back every year. I don't go back myself anymore unless my kids take me now. Okay, but uh, and this is in Ohio. Uh huh. What part of Ohio? It's uh, east of Cleveland in Geauga County. It's mm-hmm. the second largest uh, Amish community in Ohio. Okay. I know there's an Amish community not far from here, up by Jamesport, Missouri. Yes. Uh, we go up there and buy, uh, my wife and I go up there and buy wheat a couple times a year, big oh. bags of wheat, and just kind of yeah. grind that up and use that for our flour. But they've always been peculiar to me in the way that just really neat when you see uh, an Amish, you know, horse pulling the carriage down the street, you know, as the cars are whizzing by or, um, you know, the way they dress. Um, they, 
They seem to be very stoic people. Is that accurate description to you? Are they are they stern? Are they um, do they laugh? Do they have fun? Are they a happy people? Yes, tell, tell they, me. for the most part. Um, well, for instance, I my two grandfathers were totally different. My maternal grandfather was the sweetest fellow you ever knew, and he would sit in his chair, and I would comb his hair and put it in all kinds of braids. <laughs> and uh, but my paternal grandfather was an Amish bishop, okay. and he was very stern. And the first time we went back to visit him after we left the Amish church, he sat in a chair with his back to us. And so the, we kids told my parents, we don't want to go back mm-hmm. if he's going to be like that. So uh, my father told him that the kids don't want to come back if you're going to be like that. And uh, so... He changed and, you know, and then was more receptive. But my Amish, the, uh, my maternal grandfather, we would go there. Um, we had a meal there, and because they can't um, eat out of the same bowl you, you do, she would have a dinner in two bowls of potatoes, two bowls of vegetables, two bowls of whatever, one for us and one for them, and then when it came to the meat platter, they would take first, and then we would take, and then they would not take meat after we had taken it. So it's a pretty strict, and back then, um, some of them who were more stern, or uh, they would walk across the street from you so that they wouldn't have to pass you on the sidewalk. I mean, some of them can be pretty hard. That's after you left that's community. after we okay. left. So tell me, so shunning, shunning, you said, if you're baptized into the church and then you decide to leave the community, they shun you. What does that involve? Do they don't speak to you? Or? They don't buy from you. They don't sell to you. Uh, they may not speak to you. Uh, they avoid you, basically, okay. uh, if you're shunned. Okay. Well... I got to ask you, how did your family, I know there's been some experiences that you're going to share. How did your family come to decide to leave the Amish community? Did your mom have an experience? Your father? Well, Tell me. How far back do you want me to go? Uh, all the way. <laughs> all the way. Um, Seriously, yeah. My mother's mother, my grandmother died when my mother was 10. And my grandfather raised nine children before mm. he remarried at 55. But on the off Sundays, uh, Amish people have church every other Sunday. And on the off Sunday, they would have a Bible reading. The family would read the Bible. And one day, um, they came across the scripture which talked about the Urim and Thummim. And my mother, at age 10 or 11, uh, said, what's that? And Grandpa said, well, I don't really know, but I know it was very important. And so they went outside and were playing, and Mother's story goes that she was sing-songing like, uh, Urim and Thummim, Urim and Thummim, you know how you do. And uh, God showed her the Urim and Thummim. God showed her the Urim and Thummim? Yes, she saw saw it. I mean, she was outside, and she saw it. And she said she didn't feel like she could go back and tell Grandpa because what he would think, you know, it was Mm kind of 
silly. So, so for our listeners in the Old Testament, the Urim and Thummim is actually mentioned in the King James Bible as uh, interpreters or tools that were used to translate. In the temple, one at the priest. Mm-hmm. Okay, so sorry, go ahead. That's Continue. all right. So she went outside, God showed her that, didn't want to show your grandpa. So anyway, um, years went by, and uh, she was reading in the, in the scriptures uh, that God had, he's, I will build my church. And uh, so she knew that that Amish church was not the church that he had built. And um, how did she know that, or what what made her think that? Do you know, she just my mother was very spiritually intuitive. I am all mm-hmm. her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had various dreams and, and visions. Okay. And uh, so she felt she, like that. Wasn't she just the from reading the scriptures. She just knew. Of course, this is when you know we were. A family. She was married, and we had children, and so uh, they were looking. She was looking for a church, and uh, because she knew the Amish church wasn't it, and so we knew that at some point we would probably leave, and uh, so she was looking for it, and and my dad. Um, well, my my dad told a coworker that uh, he was on a carpentry crew, that we were looking for a church, but that, uh, we, you know, we didn't, we wanted one that we could, that we felt the Lord had built, that God had set up. Mm-hmm. And um, the man's name was Samuel Nutter. And he said, uh, well, I know of a church that if you ever join it, you'll never leave it. And so he brought my dad uh, a book, and this would have been 1949, probably. And um, this was a man that wasn't Amish, but your dad was Amish. Yeah. But, but he conf- confided into this man, hey, we're looking for yeah. somewhere else to go. Okay. Okay. So, um, well, I, I ought to tell you first, when we left, we went, Mother had us going to every church in the community. I, we visited every denomination there was. And uh, we children went up to the Congregational Church for Sunday school. That was a, an eye-opener. And uh, so at, at that point, having checked all those churches, Mother said they're not the ones. Okay, so, okay, so your family, so they left the Amish community before— Coming to a knowledge of yes, okay, they just left because they felt it wasn't right. The religion wasn't. That's right. Okay. She knew well. <laughs> <laughs> what broke the what broke the dam was Amish girls, Amish children don't wear a clean a new dress every day they go. They don't have that many clothes, so you have two or three dresses that take you through the week at school. Okay. Come one Monday morning, I told Mom, I said, I don't have a clean dress. And she said, well, go look in the box that the neighbor had given us. This was a non-Amish, what they call English, box of clothes. English. And she said, if there's anything in her, if you can wear it. She said, if we're ever going to leave the Amish church, we might as well do it now. <laughs> so anyway, I looked in the box, and there was this lovely lime green and and. Uh, Ecru colored um, dress, and it fit. 
<laughs> and so I wore it to school, and that started it. <laughs> so the, the exodus from the Amish started over Mary Sue's dress. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and line, in, in those days, in those days, the uh, we went to to the regular public school. They didn't have the Amish private parochial schools at that time. Okay. And so, of course, when I went to school, and I went up to my locker in the hall. There was this group of Amish girls standing in the hall before school started, and then they saw me, and they gave a shriek and ran, <laughs> like, you know, like I was the devil himself. <laughs> and uh, so, but the English girls all came and were befriended me, and, you know, it was like, okay. so all day, all day long then, I was getting notes uh, left on my desk from the Amish kids telling me how, bad I was and what I'd done wrong and one of them even told me I was going to hell. So Okay. And I got called into the superintendent's office at school. And I had never been in his office and scared me half to oh. death. So I was um thirteen at the time. Was the superintendent Amish? No. We were in public school. What did he call you into the office for? Well, uh <laughs> he said he invited me in the office, and he said, close the door, and that scared me even more. <laughs> and uh, so then he asked me uh, what our intentions were. Were we leaving the Amish? Was I intending to continue in school? And uh, he was very happy for me. He was protecting me. Gotcha. All this over-addressed. <laughs> that, this, so this was a big to-do this day. Yes, because school. I was no longer dressed in the Amish okay. dress. So he asked me if my, what if... Uh, my intention was to continue school, and I said yes, because that was the exciting part for me, because mm -hmm. I loved school. Okay. And uh, so he said, if I have any problems with the Amish kids, if they give me any trouble, um, to let him know. Well, you know, a note's harmless, so I never did tell him about that. But that that started it. Okay. And then we started going to all these different churches. Mom and Dad took us to all the churches, and—, and uh, and then Dad told this coworker on the crew that mm -hmm. uh, we were looking Nutter. for a church. Okay, okay. So he said, "If you have, a, there's a church I go to that if you come, you'll never leave." That's right. And, and he gave him a book. What was that? It's called, and I have never seen one. Mama said it was called the Young People's History of the Church, Young People's Church History. Okay, interesting. All right. Well, and so Dad brought it home and gave it to Mom. And then the next morning after Dad went to work, uh, she went back to bed before she had to wake us kids from school and started reading. And, of course, one of the first things you read in a church history are the words Urim and Thummim. And so when she saw those words, the Lord immediately again gave her a picture of the Urim and Thummim, which she had forgotten over the years. And so then she, and then she was reading about Joseph Smith, and she said, the tears just flowed. She said, I knew that this was the church. And she said, I knew that Joseph Smith was an honest man. I mean, just the Lord just showed her. I mean, the, that spirit just came over her, and she knew that's what it was. Was she reading 
did she read specifically how um, the angel had given him the Urim and Thummim to use to translate the the? Plates, I have or? no idea. Okay. I never saw the book. I just know that's what okay. what she said that. But she saw the words in there, and the and words, and then the Lord showed her again. But it was the history of church, so that's what it would have been. Okay. So this Samuel Nutter was a member of the of the church church at Kirtland, Ohio. Kirtland, he okay. told my dad, he said, "Don't take me as an example," because he had married a non-member and was not attending at the time. Mm. And so, so that started. Well, then uh, mom and dad decided to go visit the temple. This is the church, because that's where we were close to, I think okay. about 30 miles or yeah, something. Yeah, Geauga, yeah. Okay. And uh, we lived in Burton at that time, Burton, Ohio. And um, um, so they left us at home because they've been dragging us to so many churches. He said, okay. Just, if we like it, we'll come back and take you. Okay. So they went to, to the services up there. And you can imagine the difference, if you can picture the Amish services are held on straight benches in a home or in the summertime maybe up in the the upper story of the barn in the hay. I'm hay mile. It would be clean. There wouldn't be anything in it. So you have this dark plain, and then you go into the Kirtland Temple, which is, you know, would have been so different from anything that we had known. Mm. So anyway— Mom and Dad went, and on the way out, um, a lady stopped them. And she said to Mother, uh, well, in the midst of all this, we joined the Mennonite church. So. After you, so, so you left the Amish, you were going to all these different churches, decided to join the Mennonite well, church. Well, mother, um, mother wanted us to have a stable right. religious home. Mm-hmm. And she knew the Mennonite Church wasn't it, but we knew that they were teaching, you know, the gospel, the story of Jesus Christ, and and so we joined the Mennonite Church, and uh, so we would have been Mennonite at the time we went to the temple. Okay. So this lady asked my mom, um, "Are you Amish?" And mom said, "No," and she says, "But we were." And then she asked her again, "Are you Amish?" And mom said, "No, but we were." We uh, we're not anymore. Well, Mrs. Mays, that was her name, proceeded to ask my mother. She said, do you have five children? Mother said, we have four living. We had five, and one of our children died. Um, then she said, uh, well, she proceeded to tell my mother the sex and approximate age of all five of the children mm. and was very correct. And she told mother that she had had a dream in which this family was baptized into the church there at, at Kirtland. And so she shared this with mother. So there was another testimony. Wow. So, but the, the, the priesthood uh, were concerned because this lady was kind of known as a, a talker, and so they didn't know what she was filling mother's head with. <laughs> well, she was telling. What was your mom's name? Clara. Okay, I just wanted to hear her name because she sounds like an amazing lady, Clara. Mm-hmm. She okay. was Clara was her name. Uh, what was the last name? Mother and daddy were both hostetlers. Hostetlers. Yeah. 
Clara Hostetler. Uh, they're not. They weren't. They weren't close related. But if you go back in the genealogy, back in the eighteen hundreds, they came from two different brothers of the same family. Okay, so Clara Hostetler. What was your daddy's name? Daniel. Daniel. Clara and Daniel. Okay. All right. So this lady had a dream. She saw your mom and and the whole family. The whole family knew the ages and sex of the children, and that they would join the church. Mm-hmm. Saw them being baptized. So when your mom and dad came back from this initial visit to the church, what what was their what was the feeling in the home? What did they say, if anything? Well, they were. I mean, they were thrilled with it. They they took us back, and uh, a name that many people will know, uh, Tommy Thomas, mm-hmm. was. A priest at the time there, and uh, so he asked mom and dad if they'd like to have cottage meetings, and uh, he liked to imitate my mother. He said she had an accent, but I never thought she did. And he, Tommy, would always say, "Mother would say, what is this cottage meeting?'" <laughs> <laughs> hey, you do that well. <laughs> so anyway, they told that would be the story of the church to tell them, and and. Went in. What was and, the Amish language? Was it German? Yes, German. German, okay. Basically, they started out in Switzerland and uh, progressed over to Germany and Holland because they were uh, running ahead of persecution. You know, mm-hmm. they were being persecuted for for their religious mm-hmm. beliefs. Now, they believe in Jesus, correct? Yes, the they do. do. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the Mennonite believe in Jesus. Oh, very much so. What's the major difference between the two religions or the two groups of people? Uh, well, they both... Um, it would be in the lifestyle more because the Mennonites have the electricity, they have the cars, they have the telephones, they have the modern conveniences where the Amish don't. Okay. And the Amish are still today, no electricity, no... Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Hand hand tools. Yes. Okay. So, okay. So Tommy Thomas has cottage meetings with your mom. Tommy Thomas and Bill Rhymes. Okay. And my mother invited everybody she could think of. She was so excited. And she had family. She had her sister there. She had neighbors there. She, We were in a small house. Now, was she? Were you still living amongst the Amish? Or, oh yeah, or, we so we did not move. Same house. Same house. So so like your neighbors, your community, you were, we were still in the Amish community. Okay, yes. so she's inviting her friends. Some of them were Amish, perhaps. Or? My aunt and uncle. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry. She, yeah. Go ahead. I just <laughs> keep going. You're doing great. So then uh, they they came for the first time, and this was Tommy's first cottage meeting. Okay. And so he and Bill had decided ahead of time, well, you read the script and I'll run the the projector. Uh And so when they got there, of course, the house was packed. And uh, Tommy says, I think we should have prepared a little more. (laughs) But uh, so they went through the cottage meetings and and, um, I was in the school play at the time. And so I missed a lot of the you know, the rest of the evenings, the early part of the evenings. and um, But an interesting story that Tommy told me was um, he heard me. I was in the adjacent bedroom. It was just open. It was just a big archway. And he said, I heard you defending the church to the other young people, and you knew nothing about it. 
Mm. I mean, I personally have never had a striking testimony. This is the church. It's never been a, that type of thing. It's something I've always known. It's just, it's just it. I mean, it's just a part of me. Right. I have. There's never been any negative feeling. It's always been this is it. And so. you and you went to a variety of different denominations, yes. you know, in mm-hmm. that seeking period, yeah. and then and then you just you said there was no other than this is just it. Yeah. So kind of like being every, at home, huh? Yeah, it's just I just it just was the true church. I just accepted it, and there was no problem with yeah. it. So then we were uh, we went through the cottage meetings, and then we were all baptized in in, uh, in Kirtland. Okay. Did your aunt and uncle or any other family? They were baptized. My aunt and uncle were baptized. Um, I don't know if any of their children were old enough, but uh, they did not stay with the church. Okay. So your family was baptized in Kirtland. Um, Eventually, you moved to Florida. Is that correct? Well, uh, yes. Or any other other experiences or anything you want to share during that time in Kirtland or... Testimonies in the church, you remember, after joining? Well, we moved from Burton into Gates Mills. Dad was a um, caretaker of the estate. Okay. Did your dad end up getting called to the priesthood? Or? My father uh, became a deacon. He loved being a deacon. And then they were he was ordained a priest. And uh, my dad never went beyond sixth grade. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was a small man. And a hard worker. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, can you imagine a boy of eight or nine behind a team of horses? <laughs> no, his, <I> testament, <laughs> his testimony was there were times he cried because he couldn't keep the plow, you know, in the ground because he was too small. He was the oldest of their children. Gotcha. So um, then uh, another family moved to Florida from the Kirtland congregation, and mom and dad went down to visit them. And they came back, and mom says, we're moving to Florida. <laughs> well, I graduated in 52 in June, and we moved to Florida in August. And I had saved money to go to Graceland, but I gave them my money in order to make the move. Okay, and Graceland was our was a college at the time that the church owned or the RODS it was owned. RL so it was a, uh-huh. a lot of uh, a lot of the saints would go there for their college. Yeah, so that's what I was. So you were saving money for college. Family decides to move. You gave them your college savings <laughs> to help with the move. Yeah, I did ironing to make money because on our estate the uh, people had four boys, and so uh, I'm. I did ironing for them. Uh, one summer, I worked in a basket factory weaving baskets. Wow! And uh, so, I mean, it, I I enjoyed it. I um, I was in the band when I was in fifth and sixth grade in a two room schoolhouse. Uh, I was Amish, and I don't know why, but the music teacher wanted to know if I wanted to learn how to play a horn. So <laughs> it was a B-flat baritone horn, which is a big bass uh-huh. horn. So in that short period there, I learned how to, how to play it and learn the notes and stuff. Then when I, we went um, 
to to uh, Gates Mills, and I went to Mayfield Heights High School, which is in Cleveland. Um, mentioned to the music director that I had played it back in the fifth and sixth grade, so he spent time on the lunch hour with me, teaching me, and then I became part of the of the band and the marching band. So I had a wonderful school experience. <laughs> Well, tell me about Florida. So you, you gave your college money. You guys moved to yeah, Florida. Yeah, we went to Florida. Uh, Orlando at the time had a mission. Mm-hmm. And uh, they met in uh, a dance studio to start with. Okay. And so we, uh, and there I met um, people by the name of Frederick, Doris and Harlow Frederick. Doris is the daughter of Audentia Anderson who is a sister to Israelite, Okay, I believe. Isn't that right? Sure. <laughs> well, I know the name, Audentia Anderson. Yeah, she <clears throat> Did was, she write any hymns or anything? Yes, oh. she and her sister, Vida. Vida. Wrote, wrote the, the Old Old Path. There we are. Okay. Very beloved hymn in the history of the church. And I'm, I have met Audentia. Okay. And then Rosa Parks Pitt. You know the story of Rosa Parks Pitt? Um, she was a missionary. She married um, um, Brother Pitt in her later years and traveled all over the world, and And uh, she was a musician. And uh, so I met met her there because she was living with Doris and, and Harlow. Okay. And she would play the piano. Man, could she play the piano. So you had some, you were rubbing elbows with some uh, pretty uh, well-known Church people names, yeah. names, and, uh-huh. and and those that were just grounded in the faith. That's so, right. So, I know you. Well, you ended up at Graceland, correct? Or yes. Um, there was another family uh, who lived uh, close to mom and dad, and and uh, well, they went to church there, and they had no children, and so uh, Russell and Verona Martin paid my tuition. To Graceland the next year. A church family. Yeah, church family paid my tuition the next year, and then I had work scheduled, so I worked to to pay off the rest. So I was able to go. I didn't have any extra finances. I didn't get to come home at Christmas. I went home with another student. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it's when you – my folks didn't have, you know, a lot of money. and and, uh, Tell me about your time at Graceland. My mom and dad met at Graceland. I always wanted to go there. I didn't end up going. You know, things changed in the church a little bit. But tell me about your time at Graceland. Any good memories you want to share? Oh yeah, it's, it was it was fun. Um, the dorms were full at the time I went, and so I lived in a uh, a house that they used off campus. There was two, four, six of us, I guess, in upstairs in this house, six girls, and uh, so we had to walk the the mile to campus every day. And okay. Oh, I and um, one memory I have is uh, had to take a test in psychology because it was, and they uh, he gave me back the test and he said, uh, "I want you to take it over." He said I wasn't being honest. My sympathy score was off the top chart. And so I took it again. I mean, there was just it, but it was the same. But my mother was instilled in this sympathy. I mean, if we 
threw a book on the floor, she would say, oh, the poor book. You hurt the book. <laughs> you don't feel bad. You picked that up. Everything that we did that was not right or injurious or something, it was, you know, you're sorry for it. You have to, you have sympathy for it. And that's the way I was raised. And apparently that <laughs> translated into this psychology test. So it sounded like, like a personality type it's test. It's a personality yeah. test. And so he thought you were lying. He was <laughs> like, no one could be this sympathetic. <laughs> so that's, and then um, oh. I sang in the, uh, the choir, and I, the one thing I remember singing is the Messiah. We sang the Messiah that year. I enjoyed that. You've passed some of your musical gifts on to your <laughs> down, through the, down through your genes, your DNA. Well, yeah. I don't know my gene DNA, but Dell's DNA. Yeah, it's gone down through. So, how many years were you at Graceland? I was just there. I took a pre nursing course. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's what I went for was pre nursing, and. Uh, I did not meet Dell there. So uh went back home and uh went back to work. I worked in a a candy store first. Uh the the store dipped chocolates. I mean they made their own mm-hmm. chocolates. Mm-hmm. And then that owner also had a restaurant and he asked me if I'd go work in the restaurant, which I did. And um uh, so I went there before Grayson, and I went back to it after Grayson. And then uh, uh, I applied to two different places for um, x-ray technician. And I applied at the sanitarium, which was the church hospital at the time. In Independence. And, uh-huh, in mm-hmm. Independence. And I applied at Jacksonville um, at, the, uh, was at the Air Force, I think. In Florida. Yeah, in Florida. Okay. okay. So... Uh, my application was accepted in Florida, and I thought, well, if they accepted it, you know, the sand's going to accept me. Well, the sand didn't accept me because my chemistry and and the physics grades weren't good enough. So then I was back to square one. And then um, O.C. Henson, uh, 70, um, in the church, was going to church there at Orlando at that time. And he came to me one day and he said, would you be interested in going to the sanitarium and uh, being a student for medical records? I said, I'd love it. So uh, how I never did find out what his relationship was that he knew they were starting this school at the sanitarium. I know his brother was involved at the sand somehow, but I, I never... God works in such mysterious ways. I never knew how O.C. knew there was an opening. And so Mother and I took the bus and went to Independence and went up to the to the medical records department. And um, a lady in there, uh, Naomi Carpenter, took Mom and I around to find me an apartment. Uh, I had to be where I could walk to the hospital because I had never driven a car. Right. And so um, we found an apartment, uh, a big, big old is it stone or brick house across the street from the old William Christman High School. Okay. I lived up in the turret. So this is actually just a few blocks from where we are recording this today. Yes. Here at the studio. Yeah. It's still there. Yep. Maybe and, we'll uh, drive by that on the way back. I'd like oh. to see that. So that's, that's where I lived. And then, 
um, I went to uh, went there, and then so I was just a few blocks from the Stone Church, mm-hmm. and uh, I knew one person in Independence, a girl that I'd known at Graceland, and I had called her and and told her that I was in town, and uh, so she asked called and asked me if I wanted to go to church with her, and I said, well. Um, I've just started going to Stone Church. Let me see, you know, what happens. Uh, I don't know whether I should say this or not. I went to Stone Church three Sundays to the older youth class, and no one ever spoke to me. Mm-hmm. And so when Donna called me that night, she said, would you like to go to the OYP meeting with me, older youth program they had? And uh, I said, yes, I'm ready. So, so um, I went to that that older youth meeting with her, and uh, Bob Ochava was in charge of that meeting. Now, this is going into my story with Dell. That's great. I want to hear that story. Um, <laughs> so I, when we walked in, Donna took me up front and introduced me as Mary Sue Hostetler, and we sat down and they had the meeting. Well, unbeknownst to me, Dale Kennan turned to Bavu Tava, who was the leader. He was sitting next to him, and he said, I'm going to marry that girl. <laughs> so I didn't know that. But anyway, so we had a meeting, and, and uh, so uh, Dale took a bunch of us home. And then, uh, of course, he took me home last, and then we talked for hours and— uh, so that started our relationship. Good job, Dell. Well, very smart, very smartly played. Well, the thing <laughs> is, so anyway, um, then he he would pass me on his way to work as I was walking to the sand. So then he started picking me up and taking me to work, and then bringing me home. He was playing his cards. <laughs> but I'll tell you, um, three weeks later, he proposed. Three weeks later. And I said, uh, you've got to give me time. I said, I've got to pray about this. I will tell you, I had been engaged before. Okay. Uh, twice. And I finally learned how you have to pray. And so I fasted two meals a day for three weeks, asking the Lord if this was the man he had for me. And... Um, at the end of the three weeks, I came home. We were on the third floor. I, I picked up my mail out of the box, and I had a letter from my mother. And I had asked my mother to pray for me and uh, for, for this answer. And so when I walked into the apartment and had mother's letter in my hand, and I closed the door, and a voice that you feel, you hear it, but you feel it, mm-hmm. said, yes. That's all it said was yes. But I knew what the question had been for three weeks. And so I knew then that the Lord was telling me that Dell was the man for me. When I opened Mother's letter, she said, I think you will marry this man. And uh, So your mom's letter arrived at the same, same time, time you heard the voice after fasting for three weeks. And the answer was yes, and your mom at the same time in the letter said. But I had to have my answer have before answer. Mother's answer. Yeah. Boy, the Lord's had his finger and eyes on you, hasn't he? We were married for 62 years. 62 years. And Dell 
just passed away this past year, didn't in you? In March, yeah. eight months ago. Yeah, and you guys served together and traveled. And um, tell me, so just tell me about your life with Dell. What was? Tell me your experience. Well, um, we were we met in September. We were engaged by Thanksgiving, and we got married in February. Okay, so uh, so less <laughs> than a year from the time you met to married. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So from September, no. No, no. It was September of one year and February of the next. So just a few months. Yes. Yeah. So. That's why I say, but it lasted 62 years. 62 years. So kids. <laughs> kids, ask the Lord. Yeah. But don't expect it, even if the Lord says this is the one, that it's going to always be easy. Mm. A good marriage takes work and prayer. Work and prayer. Did you and Dell pray together? Yes. A lot. Yes. So we did, we did, and uh, but he was uh, was a deacon when I met him. Oh, when I he didn't tell me the story about him saying he was going to marry me at the time until some time later, <laughs> and I said, "How did you know?" He said, "Because the Lord gave me the same uh, experience." That he gave me when he when he uh, gave me when I was he verified my call to the office of deacon. Okay. So he had the same spiritual experience verifying me as he did when he verified the the call to the priesthood. So he recognized. He that recognized spirit. that, and he knew that. So. <laughs> so it wasn't just Dell being wild and crazy, <laughs> breaking to his friend, but the spirit was involved. The spirit was yeah. involved, yes. It was not something off the wall. It was something the Lord showed him. Right. Well, I know we can't go through your whole 62 years, but give me some high points. Tell me about your life with Dell. What kind of things? Did you guys travel a lot? Were you stationed? Was he a missionary? A no. they. The, at one point, they asked him about that, and mm -hmm. he— we weren't into that. I know so. he was active in visiting and, you know, just <clears throat> yes, through Yes, he was and, a deacon. And in Orlando then, he was ordained a priest. And at the during that, um, Art Henson told Dell, under the influence of the Spirit, that he was a direct descendant of Aaron. Well, we have... Didn't have any verification of that, but that's what he told him. Like Aaron, like the brother of Moses, Aaron? Yes, yeah. like the Aaronic priesthood. Okay. So. And uh, then he was also ordained an elder, and shortly after he was ordained an elder, they put him in as pastor at Orlando. And uh, there was some feeling about the fact that there was a high priest in the congregation and elders and that Dell should not have been you know, they should have taken the high priest, but as it was, Dell was made the pastor, and congregation grew. We had a big congregation. It just, we had a, a wonderful time there. Um, we had one daughter uh, before we moved. She was six months old. Then we had another daughter uh, three years later and a son three years after that. And uh, Two daughters and a son. So uh, Dell's father uh, got Parkinson's in independent was in independence, and Dell felt like we should uh, we should come back to to independence to help his parents. So 
going way back when we decided to move to Orlando because Dell's uh, job at um, Butler Manufacturing was done away with. We went to uh, an elder at um, Eden Heights, where we went, and asked him about moving to Florida, what he thought. You know, he wanted to get some approval or verification from the Lord. We asked him to pray about it. And uh, Hiram came back, and he said, I think it's, you know, it's fine, but don't close your mind to coming back. And so nine and a half years later, of course, we did come back. And uh, we moved out to uh, Lone Jack um, on acreage. Uh, we wanted acreage when we when we moved back, and we, you know, prayed to the Lord and told Him that's what we wanted. And went Dell contacted the same Bob Watava who was in real estate, and told him what we were looking for. And Bob said uh, it's going to take you six months to find something like that. Well, we were staying with my sister uh, at the time, and a Sunday morning, I think it was a Sunday. Anyway, she said, um, she, she said, there's an ad in the paper I think you ought to look into, the Kansas City Star, I guess it was. And um, there was 20 acres for sale with a house and uh, said where it was. So we drove out there to the place and looked at it and the house apparently was built in the late 1860s and uh, had two rooms downstairs and two rooms upstairs and they had put in a bathroom and I had told the Lord you don't tell the Lord stuff I said mm -hmm. I want a lilac bush and a creek well I got a lilac bush and a lake and a two acre lake on there so um did you like the lake better than the creek? Well, <laughs> I grew up loving to walk in creeks. And okay. being on a farm, you know, you just love that. But anyway, um, so we decided to purchase it. And the lady said, uh, how did you know this was for sale? And I said, well, it was in the paper. And she said, well, it wasn't supposed to be in the paper till tomorrow. <laughs> so God moves in mysterious ways. So we bought the land, and we were out there 35 years. 35 raised our, years. Raised our kids and our grandkids. and That became probably a great gathering place for your family. For the family, for the church, for his family. We had get-togethers. Get-togethers with his family, uh, Dell's family and our family, my family. And so, yeah, it was, it was the home place. I mean, the kids fished there. They swam there. They ice skated there. They did paintball there. I mean, it was just we had— um, cows and we had chickens, and so we. I mean, it was it was what we were wanting, and right. And then, uh, uh, before we, Dell called um, John Conway, who was president of Santa Fe Stake, which is where uh, that section of the church was mm -hmm. located. And so Dell went in and asked John where he would like for us to serve, and John said. He would like for us to go out to uh, Coburn Road, and uh, so which had been a mission from Lee Summit, and then became a branch later on. So we went out to Coburn Road. Um, it's where we 
It's been our, from the time we got there, we moved there in 67. And, uh, and you still we've always there. been to Coburn yeah. Road. And that's how I met you when I became a member of Coburn Road. So <laughs> we've been through Coburn Road and all its changes and all its various yeah. places to, to worship. And How have you seen the church change, Mary Sue, from the time that you joined early on back in the 1950s to now? Have you seen anything you can put your finger on or do you have any comments, thoughts on that? I mean, other than the obvious doctrinal changes, but what do you see in the lives of the people? To be honest, Mm -hmm. I think originally we emphasized, when we came into church, we emphasized so much the church, the church, the church. And it... uh, Because it was a true church, and it did have the ordinances, and it did have... All you know the scriptures and all the news, the books and and uh, but I think we m- kind of missed not emphasizing salvation in Jesus Christ <laughs> more, and I think I think we're coming to that. You know, I think we're beginning now. Do you know more? Now you haven't listened to any of our podcasts, right? Just tell her. No, I don't I was, have a computer. You don't have a clue what we've been talking about. No. So Corey and I, my friend that does the podcast, mm-hmm. we've been kind of talking about that and how the church, you know, had this great calling because it was the chosen, it was the restored church and God was working with it. But how, you know, when a people become kind of chosen for a task, they can get really focused on being the chosen people and the church. And we were talking about how to shift our focus to the rest of the story and God's work and, and to focus on Jesus and the great story of that. That's interesting that you say that. So but, don't don't feel bad. That's no. that's I'm glad you were honest in that. No, I really I really think, you know, we've we kind of missed the the boat in not oh. emphasizing the Christ and his salvation and oh. that sort of thing along with the church, you know, because, um, and the and the thing that has been impressed with me in the last while is is a need for love. I mean, to love people and and the love that to comprehend, try to comprehend that the love which God has for His people, for everybody. I mean, He doesn't like the things we do he doesn't but his but he loves us because we're his children it's just like we don't hate our kids because they do bad we give them a spanking and <laughs> do you ever think about meeting jesus i know dell went to meet jesus this year oh what yeah. was that well do you want to share anything about that that passing or um did that get you to did that bring it home a little bit to you get you to think about um Dell suffered at the last yeah and um he went down pretty quickly in the last three four months mm-hmm. but I got to where I well I just told the Lord I got down on my knees and I said Lord 
You've given him to me for 62 years, and I don't want him to suffer anymore, and I give him back to you. Mm. And uh, within three or four days, he was gone. Yeah. And I have, I have only praised the Lord for taking him home. I mean, I thank the Lord for that gift that he, is, that he has, has taken him. I, I know he's with his Lord, and uh, he's at peace. He's not suffering anymore, and God has been good to me. I'm well provided for, and I have, I have never had grief. You know, there's this overwhelming grief. I've, I've just... I've just never had it. Uh, I just feel um, a trust in God and and thankful that you know for what He's given me and for now what Dell has, yeah. and I just trust Him for what's to come. Well, as I sit across the table from you and I see a, a 85 year old lady who has known God her whole life and has had testimonies, um, I see that as the effect the fruit, I should say, of a faithful life and knowing Christ through the years. You said it's never easy. It's, it's, it's not always going to be easy, you tell the young ones, but that is the fruit. That's the fruit of knowing Christ. Huh? And I know that at church and things that you've remained positive and that same smile and, and happiness that you had. And I've wondered, you know, I've noticed that and thought, that's someone whose foundation is Jesus. And, yeah. yeah, do you think about that day when you'll be with him? Yeah, I kind of I kind of wonder, you know, what it's, what it's going to be like. And, and uh, But it's, uh, you know, I have a lot of questions that we don't know yet. By the way, I also didn't say Dell was ordained a high priest then yeah. when he was here. So, um, and I knew that that was going to happen. When we were still in Orlando, mm. because one Sunday uh, we went to church and O.C. Henson was preaching, and Dell's face, it wasn't O.C. When I looked at him up there in the rostrum, it was Dell's face. Dell was standing there, and it wasn't, it was the minister. Mm. And then I knew that that someday he would have that calling, and it was many years later, and it I was reading in the, in the scriptures where it says the high priest somewhere, and don't tell me, ask me where, high priest has to be a person with love, compassion. Mm-hmm. And um, there came a point in our life when uh, we had a foster daughter, and Dell had a love for her. It was a totally different experience for me to see him share this love. And I, that then, following that, was when he was called to the high priesthood. So God has a plan, but we also have to, you know, do our share. So. Dell could be kind of gruff at times or, or not scary, but he, he could be very outspoken and opinionated. Yes, but him and I had a lot of talks in the sanctuary. Uh, I, I would like to talk to him on Sunday mornings, you know, before mm-hmm. church. And, um, I saw, well, I just felt a kindred spirit with him. I remember one time uh, we, we were in a priesthood meeting at your oh. house with you and Dell. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about the struggles and everything. And he was like, 
He's like, don't you think the priesthood meetings were poorly attended when I was going to? He said, surely they were. They were, And I saw this common bond, like here's a man that's gone through his whole life and he's had the same struggles, you know, and it was just neat to, uh, I just so appreciate those moments we spent together. Yeah, yeah, he beat on a lot of doors trying to bring the people back when they yeah. started at Coburn. I'm sure he's doing the work now. Yeah, that's when, you know, I'd like to know. What he does. And I... I'd like to know, well, this probably isn't a place to ask it. Yeah, sure. We can cut it out. Is is the high priesthood ordination, is it eternal? Does he have the high priest ministry? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it says, till, till, the, till the unity of the saints. I don't know. I, I believe it's eternal. I believe it says that somewhere. Well, that's what I wondered, but I, but anyway, I am happy for him. I'm just, and I thank the Lord, you know, every night for letting me have him for 62 years, but I just mm-hmm. pray that he's a blessing where he is. So what gives you joy today? I know you you love your family. How many, how many, um, so you've got three children. How many grandkids do you have? I have three children, 10 grandchildren and 20 great grandchildren. Oh, man, that. I bet that keeps you busy. They, they're very yes. <laughs> I enjoy them very much, and or um, they they take the kids take care of me. They check on me every day, and uh, what brings me joy? Um, God's creation, a beautiful sunny day, colored leaves, birds on the feeder. Um, flowers. We've always had lots of plants and lots of flowers. And uh, just to, to wake up to a, to a nice day just brings me joy. Mm. And then seeing the, the, uh, the young people at church and their participation and, and uh, just, you know, God is good. I mean, it's just, uh, I have joy when I come to church and and uh, what advice would you give to the young people? What advice do you have for our young people? Seek the Lord's guidance in everything. Uh, because he will let you know. I mean, if you're if you're whether you're trying to decide what vocation you want, what mate you want, a uh, place to live, um Anything that makes a decision, if you want to make the right one, seek the Lord's direction because he can, he can shut a door and open another one to let, to let you know what his desire is. Or he can take a thought away from you. If you're really looking, he'll take away the thought that you, he doesn't want you to follow and emphasize the thought that he wants you to follow. And uh, I've... You know, I told the, the kids when they're in college, I said, pray about what you want to do for your life's work. And uh, pray for the mate that, you know. And I, I also, I've talked to young people at, at an older youth retreat, and I said, you can fall in love more than once, but God has someone for you. I mean, there's, there is someone out there for you that he chooses. And that uh, you just... You need to put yourself in the position where he can tell you. What, a, what about prayer? Tell, tell him, what would you tell him about prayer? 
What 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 um, impact has prayer had in your life, and what is your prayer life like? Oh gosh, I don't know what I do without prayer. I really don't know. I don't know what people do without prayer. Um, I pray when I leave the house to get in my car to for safety and protection. I thank Him when I wake up for the night's rest. I uh, thank Him for the day ahead. Uh, I ask Him that if. Usually one of my prayers is that I can be a servant for him that day, if I could serve him in some way. Uh, wow. And I did that that morning when you asked me about this. You're kidding. No. That that morning when I asked you to do this podcast, you, you asked the Lord, how can I serve you today? Yeah. So when I asked you to come over here, did, you, said, did you remember that? <laughs> I, said, I said, no, when you asked me, I said, that's my answer. <laughs> and I've been thinking about having you on for, uh, well, since we started doing this, you were one of the first people that came to my mind and, and you can hear some of our, uh, previous podcasts. I'll even, I kind of even mentioned, I said, I need to have her on sometime. Well, or, I hope it's been beneficial. It's me... been an absolute pleasure for me to sit here and talk to you. And so I know it's going to be a pleasure to the rest of our listeners when they get to hear this, um, I think the stories of the saints are segments that are much enjoyed. And um, the purpose of the stories of the saints is because I grew up with my grandma and my aunt uh, sisters that lived across the street from each other, sharing stories of the saints of the past. And that shaped me who I was. And so I know there are saints alive today that are having experiences with the Lord. And I just want their stories recorded and shared and preserved and available for whoever wants to listen whenever they want to listen. Do you have time for one little experience I, more? We've got all the time in the world, yep. When um, uh, my brother, the one who died, he was he had leukemia. He was a little over three years old. And um, he was, we were at home, and he was laying on a, a day bed in front of the window, and it was a sunny day. And I was sitting on the edge of the daybed by his head. And uh, a bright light came in the window, rested on, his, on him. Just, just a flash of light came in, rested on him, and went out, and he was gone. And I remember that, and I was not quite five. You were there when he passed? Yes. Sitting right there with him? Yeah. And you saw that light come? Yes. And he left with the light. That impacted you, apparently. I mean, you, so, you know. And he always talked about being with the angels. And his, he was, uh, when he was in the hospital, his doctor was a German. And so um, Sonny, my brother, didn't speak English. So he you know, was strictly German because that's what we spoke at home. And uh, so Sonny in his, uh, in when he was there in the room, started smiling and laughing, and he said, Mom, do you see them? Mother said, what? The angels, they're playing. Can you see them? They're up there playing. And he was talking about seeing all, and he was so happy and laughing. Well, Dr. Gronauer related this to the nurses who were there. Mom said there wasn't a dry eye in the room. Uh-huh. So my brother was... You know, he was already getting that close to to being gone, but he always said he was going to be with the angels. So I and he was. So he had no fear of 
of passing on. Sound like the Lord was no. comforting him, preparing mm-hmm. him. Yeah, it was. So mother, mother, what we didn't, uh, mother didn't use the word Jesus. I don't think when we were little, she uses. She said the good man. That's what they called him. Was the good man. So she taught us about him, and and we had a Bible story book, and mom would read to us, and but. Uh, What's it like going back to the Amish community now? <laughs> I love the people um, because I I know where they're where they're coming from, but it's it's it just amazes me at the the bishop has all all power, and so so you'll go to one community and they aren't even allowed to have bicycles. And you'll go down to Holmes County, and they've all got bicycles, and now they've got bicycles that have batteries on them, so they're like electric bikes. So the the bishop determines what they can have and what they can't have, and it'll differ from one com- community to another. So the bishop decides, kind of, yeah. yeah. So you, you get a good bishop, you get a battery on your bike. <laughs> <laughs> no, it depends on what. Well, that's right, because that's down in Holmes County, so that's. Mm-hmm. You know, in in uh, which is down south, southern part, but the you know, like the Indiana Amish would be different. The Illinois Amish, they all have just a few differences as far as what's what's allowed, what they have. Do they ever have giant meetings like conferences where all the no, no, uh-uh. not that I'm aware of, unless the ministers do, but I don't think so. Have you ever thought about why, why you, why your mom and dad? Why, why the Lord, why that interaction, and why the, the vision of the Urim and Thummim, and why you guys found the fullness of the gospel? And- well, I'm, I've often wondered, because uh, I know my mother was seeking, but um, I've also wondered because two of my grandmothers were non-Amish that became Amish. One grandma was adopted by an Amish family, from an English family. And the other grandma was um, English and married an Amishman and became Amish for him. So there is a a different genetics coming into our, Mm. you know, into our family, which could make more of a questioning, you know, personality. And mother was a questioner. I see. They called her, you know, that she was always asking questions. So mother's searching, you so know. Your, your mom was a seeker. She was a seeker. Mm. And I give my dad credit because he he followed and then also asked, you know, I mean, because he came from a very different background. Mother did because, you know, his dad was so stern, mm-hmm. so strong. So he could have told her to knock it off, but instead he he allowed her to express yeah. that seeking mm-hmm. and followed, was willing yeah. to follow. Wow. I got thinking about my mother's life, and and uh, she was gone a lot taking care of other people while I was at home taking care of the rest <laughs> of us. But she that's just the kind of person she was. She wanted to be a nurse so bad. And, of course, she didn't have that opportunity. And then she wanted us children to have an education. And um, all of us have had college, um, all four of us. My sister's a registered nurse, retired. Uh, my brother uh, 
graduated, he was he worked at the University of Central Florida, and uh, both my brothers are priesthood members. Both of us girls married priesthood members. So, you know the the Lord just saw down the timeline. I guess <clears throat> I'm going to say a word to you. We'll finish with this. Uh, I like to ask people this, and you tell me what what you think it means. So, the gospel. What does that mean to you? You can give me a definition. You can give me thoughts on it. When you hear the word or the words the gospel, what does that mean to you? The gospel to me means the life of Jesus Christ and his story and and the laws that he gave us and and uh, um, I don't know. The gospel is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. That's a fine answer. I don't think there's one right answer. At least I like to hear people's uh, ideas on that because we're all different, and yet I think all of the answers are related to each other, but we see things in different ways. It's gospel. It's the Jesus Christ and his word. You know, it's the word that's given down through the through the scriptures, his laws, his commandments, his, um, you know, the, to me that's the gospel. You have any parting words for us, Mary? Anything else you want to leave us with? Uh, no, just keep praying for the Lord's will to be done and for us to be ready when that will comes. Focus on Jesus. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for praying that prayer the other morning. What can you do and for responding? <laughs> well, I'm happy to be here. I'm glad I picked a good I hope moment. it was meaningful. It was, it was my pleasure. It was... It was a great time spent, so I can't wait for, for the others to hear it. Okay. God bless. Thank you.